Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the OK Preps Extra podcast, where we're going to have Mr. Barry Lewis uh, kind of break down the all-world process. Uh, all-world football will be in the paper on Saturday, and then all-state on Sunday. Barry, let's just start in general with the process. Can you just sort of explain to people what's the process like of compiling an all-world football team? It can be quite lengthy, which is why the last two years we've done it in early February, uh, two months after the season's ended, because it's quite extensive. I mean, we've done it in the past quicker than that, but uh, several logistical reasons why we waited until early February, but part of it is because it is quite extensive. We want to be as thorough as possible. I don't know um, if I would ever be satisfied when I think, are we were we thorough enough? Because you're talking about hundreds of schools all across the state when you talk about the all state and when you, of course, all world, uh, um, you don't, we're not dealing with as many schools, but still you want to get everything right and um, be thorough. And so um, that's why it takes a little longer um, than it has in the past. And uh, um, not just with all world football, but uh, with the other all world sports, um, volleyball, softball, and cross country. So um, we try to reach out to all the coaches to have them send in their nominations. And uh, we get a lot of cooperation. Some coaches, uh, for some reason, we, let's just say, we don't connect with. So uh, uh, despite attempts to do so, but we try to connect with everybody and uh, come up with the best team. Ultimately, I make the final decision. So you can either give me credit for that or give me blame. Um, well, especially in football, um, I leave it to um, Ben Johnson, who's in charge of the other sports. I rely on him for the other sports for the most part, although I do oversee it. So I guess ultimately the buck stops with me, but uh, he's uh, in charge a little more in those other sports, but it's pretty much all me and football with consultation with our other writers who've seen players play, get their input. And um, hopefully, um, you know, that uh, people will see our, our picks. And, uh, and of course, no one's going to agree with every pick. <laughs> I mean, especially uh, there's going to be some deserving people who delivered first team caliber performances, but you can't have everybody on the first team. Uh, there's only in football 26 slots on the first team, all world and all state. So you're going to leave off some people um, that you'd really like on there. Some people, I get complaints, say, well, why wasn't so-and-so on the first team? And a lot of times I don't have like a great reason except to say, I mean, a lot of times I'll agree. Yeah, they turned in a first team caliber performance, but this is why I gave so-and-so the edge. That's what I'm thinking. So it, it can be challenging. Uh, there's some players on the second team, a lot of the second team selections that I thought going into the process, yeah, they're going to be first teamers. But when you had to make those final cuts that they didn't make it, it's not because necessarily what they did. It's because of there's just so many high caliber performances. And just to clarify what you said a second ago, Barry, a coach doesn't have to nominate a kid to make the team, correct? 
That is correct. Although a coach's nomination and an enthusiastic nomination at that, that goes into detail can be very, can make, be a difference maker. Absolutely. So, and not just for all world football or all state football, but for any of the sports and talking about, you know, winter, where that's fall sports, winter sports coming up, spring sports, all world specialty awards, uh, coaches nomination can be very important. Yeah. All right. Well, tell you what, we have 10 all world finalists. We'll name uh, an offensive player of the year and a defensive player of the year at our all world awards banquet in the summer. We'll announce dates on that later. But for now, Barry, let's just go down the 10 and just kind of introduce these guys and talk about them a little bit. Uh, let's start with Camden Crooks uh, from Cushing, wide receiver. Yes, uh, who was a late addition for TU uh, as far as um, um, uh, committing there or getting offered there and then committing and signing. So Camden Crooks for four years has done it all for Cushing. And he's but still he's been under the radar. So uh, um, and just a fabulous career in all three phases, special teams, offense, defense. Um, and Cushing had a great year and they definitely, and they definitely deserve to be represented as, and have Camp the Crooks. I mean, Blaze Berlowitz, their quarterback could have easily been also an all world finalist. I mean, you talk about tough decisions. That was tough not to have him being an all world finalist. So, but Camden Crooks is, and, uh, just a great all around player. And I'm glad you said what you said, Barry, a second ago, because you you place a high premium on team performance. Absolutely. Um, I place a high. Uh, yes, that's very valuable, especially in, uh, in a team sport like this. Very valuable. And that can be a difference maker in a couple of players. And most, I mean, if you look at the finalists, most of them, their teams have had a lot of success. I mean, it's not an absolute, but it really helps out. And Camden Crooks is one of those players. We were talking about our last uh, podcast about Zane Woodham, last year's Defensive Player of the Year winner. Zane is someone who could have been a finalist on either side of the ball. You can say the same on Camden Crooks. Yeah. I, mean, I knew he was going to be a finalist, but at first I wasn't sure, is it going to be offense or defense? All right, let's keep going down the list here. Uh, the second guy we've talked about quite a bit, uh, quarterback Kirk Francis of Metro. Uh, he'll also uh, be at Tulsa with Camden Kurtz. Yes, that could be an exciting combination uh, someday for TU. Kirk Francis just, I mean, 626 passing yards in the state championship game. Do you need to say anything more? I mean, although they didn't win, what a performance, a performance for the ages. Great career. He finished... Um, Number one in my all-world rankings, the last all-world rankings we did during the season. So that doesn't mean the rank is as far as people trying to read into anything. Like if a person was number one in the all-world rankings that final all-world during the season, does that mean they're going to be player of the year? Not necessarily because there were games played after that. Um, but uh, yeah, that says a lot when you are number one in the all-world rankings. It, uh just a, a great career, great season. All right. How about uh, Connor Kirby, big speed quarterback uh, slash all purpose? Yes. Uh, he's someone who sort of uh, crept up in 
on the on the radar screen as far as all world it was concerned. Um, yeah, but wow, did he finish strong? Well, of course, he had just not only did he finish strong, he just had a strong overall season. Um, and it really is what a two years he had. I mean, when you think of as a junior, he was a part of that great big record-setting Bixby offense as a junior, but he was basically the, quote, running quarterback. And this year, he showed he could do it all, passing, running. He's just a great player. And uh, so that's what I'm sort of saying, that he sort of slipped up on everyone because he showed everyone he's a really good passer, too. And his state championship game performance was probably the best by a Bixby quarterback in all their state championship games, and that's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. And he, what also makes him unique is that uh, – he was a starting linebacker at the start of the season. And, uh, of course, when, as it evolved when he got uh, was taking over more and more of the quarterback duties there that uh, he wasn't really playing defense for the most part anymore. But uh, that just shows you what an athlete he is. And so he is listed as an all-purpose player. And for people trying to read anything into, like, who is going to be the player of the year just because they're listed as an all-purpose player. And that means I'm saying, well, he's not as good a quarterback as Kirk Francis. Don't necessarily read into that. I I get that all the time, especially maybe from, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I get that all the time. Uh, that just, that doesn't necessarily mean Kirk Francis is above Connor Kirby. It just means that to try to get the best players, best 26 on the team and you've got someone like Connor Kirby who showed versatility mm-hmm. that I can list him as an all-purpose player is when, you know, Kirk Francis was the quarterback. So yeah. that's what that's all about. And that's not just that, but that has to deal with other players as well, both in the all-world and all-state. Uh, I just try to get the players on the team where I can. All right, moving on down here, uh, running back, DJ McKinney from Union. DJ was, uh, wow, what a breakout year coming over from Booker T. Washington. And he rose up and when was at one point number one. He was the last number one player before Kirk Francis took over the number one slot, as I recall. But, yeah, he just had a really breakout season. I think everyone realized he could be that type of player that he showed this year. But, um, for whatever reason, hadn't really shown it at Booker T, although I have to say that uh, for the first couple of years at Booker T, Jaden Carroll, who mm-hmm. wound up at Jenks, uh, you know, I had to split time with him. But uh, uh, DJ McKinney, breakout year union, showed great rusher of the ball and also a good pass catcher too coming out of the backfield. Uh, and so uh, he's one of our finalists. And on the way to Sam Houston State, that's right. All right. Last of the offensive finalists, uh, Noah Roberts, running back from Stillwater. Not not very big kid, but he put up some monster stats for the Pioneers. Yeah, sometimes I, I feel that he's been overlooked by people just because of his teammates. When you got Jacoby mm-hmm. Sanders and Gage Gundy there, um, that uh, he's been overlooked. And But he had a breakout season, too, when he rushes for about 1,900 yards without losing a fumble all year isn't that incredible i mean all those carries uh just steady from the get-go really obvious um his numbers speak for themselves and the fact that stillwater went 13 and 0 so 
Uh, what more can you say? Very deserving of being an all-world finalist. All right. So those are the five offensive finalists. Let's go to the five defensive finalists. Let's start with uh, defensive back Kale Fugit, uh, Bixby, who's headed to OU. Yes. Um, what a performance that was the night he intercepted four passes in one half. How does that happen? I mean, that's just, I mean, Bixby, it can be really tough. I mean, they've got so many standout players and you can't pick them all to be finalists in all world selections. You talk about tough. It's like, uh, because they're also, this is part of what's interesting about Bixby. I mean, obviously the quarterback's probably going to produce some numbers. And of course the Presleys did. Uh, during their time there, but there's they've got so many outstanding players and like to share the ball, and they're just so balanced. It could really be difficult picking one over another there. Uh, I mean, you could have made an argument. Their secondary, which I wrote the other day in a column, I think it's got to be regarded as one of the all-time best secondaries for a two-year stretch in Oklahoma high school football. Uh, you could have picked any one of those guys to be an all-world all first-team selection, and they were that good. Can't get them all on there, but uh, they were all worthy. And but Kale gets Hale gets the edge because of what, Barry? Kale and, uh, gets the edge. Um, just a little uh, just a little edge. All, his versatility does help. Also had a really good year as a receiver. Of course, you could say the same things about Jacob Schneider, and I think that's what gives them the edge over the other two members of the secondary, Dylan has and Tyson Williams. So then it's trying to balance Kale and Jacob, who Jacob's also going to OU. They're good friends and they'll be roommates at OU, which is really cool. Make big plays, big moments, both outstanding receivers and DBs. And so it's just a, um, uh, it, I don't know. Maybe it was that one moment for Kale. There are a couple big, those couple big moments on defense. He also had a pivotal interception in the semifinals against Jenks. Uh, I think maybe in the end, that just gives him a slight edge over Jacob Schneider. Yeah. All right. An another defensive back on the defensive finalist, Devin Robinson, uh, also going to TU out of uh, Union High School. Yes. Uh, he had some quite, the spect uh, quite a few spectacular moments this year, including in the backyard bowl when there was just one sequence in the third quarter of a game when it was a really close game where he makes a big stop for a lot. Jenks is threatening to make it a one-score game, I believe it was at the time, and they've got a first and goal, and he makes a big stop on Jalen Stanford, of course, as the standout for Jenks for a tackle for a loss at forces them to play to set up for a 23-yard field goal. And then, of course, Devin Robinson blocks that. <laughs> and then later in the quarter, he returns an interception for a touchdown. So, I mean, he had a few – that was probably his most dramatic sequence, but he had some really eye-popping moments. And uh, you want to talk about who was, like, maybe the toughest finalist to leave out. I mentioned Jalen Jalen just then from Jenks. Jalen Stanford, who's now going to be going to University of Houston, uh, he was probably, he was the next, he was the one, the last cut from the finalists. And again, that was some, uh, Jalen, someone who's outstanding on all sides of the ball, but uh, uh, it was really tough to leave him out as a finalist. 
All right, go, going on down the list here, defensive back Gabe Rodriguez from Wagner, who is uncommitted at, at the at the moment. Well, he is not actually. Uh, just a few days ago, he committed to OSU as a walk-on. Okay. Following Malcolm's steps. Of course. And uh, so that is really neat. And um, so Gabe Rodriguez, again, someone who excels in all phases of the game, ultimate team player, um it looked like I mean he had been a quarterback but then it made the team better where he sh shifted his role to a running back slash receiver and then of course he's a finalist on defense uh where he had an outstanding season uh in helping Wagner win the state championship uh he didn't have a lot of big numbers in the championship game but he did have the 18 speaking of his offensive ability he did have the 18 yard run that set off set up the walk-off field goal in the last moments so just a great all-around player just a winner uh all right so moving on down the road here uh Reese Roller linebacker defensive end from Verderus going to UCO and uh our colleague Dean Rule covering high schools last fall he he spoke highly of Reese Roller he was a huge fan of Reese yeah I think the game <laughs> Dean's Ruiz really did it all, running the ball, defense. I mean, he's the sack master. Incredible number of sacks over the last few years. A four-year starter, part of Vertigris's most successful era of football. Um, and he, showing the team player he is, that he, he, had a, he was like a short yardage specialist running the ball. And um, he was doing that early in the season. And and very effective at it, but because of an injury, he shifted at midseason on offense to a blocking back position. And um, so he wasn't the short yardage back anymore, but he was very effective doing that and was willing to put team first. And, and well, he did say he enjoyed that actually more than scoring the touchdowns because he just likes to hit people. <laughs> Love that. That's who you want as a defensive finalist. So uh, Reese Roller, incredible career. He's going to UCO. All right. The last finalist, uh, defensive, another defensive back, Jackson Woods from Hominy, uh, Class A school, and the only junior um, among the 10 finalists. Yes, another one of those who I didn't know initially. Was he going to be an offensive finalist or defensive finalist? And uh, – Put him on the defense. He intercepted eight passes and scored on three of them. How many great year? Uh, best year since 2016. Reached the, reached the semifinals, went 12 and one. Um, but of course, he's a defensive finalist, but he also accounted for 61 touchdowns. <laughs> That's an insane number. Uh, dual threat, uh, running, passing, and then. He's also an incredible kick returner, too. I think he scored on five punt returns. So he just does wow. it all. He's our only non-senior as a finalist. Could have been offensive finalist, defensive finalist. Um, so I put him on the defense. And uh, he's uh, he had an amazing season. Barry, do you give weight to classification? Like, does, yes. that, does that factor into the process? That factors into the process, uh, but what he was doing combined with Hominy's team success made it um, 
made him worth. Yeah, it's it's fairly rare when I have a Class A player as a finalist, but it just it seemed to be. I mean, when you put up the numbers he did and have the team success, he's very deserving. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you mentioned Jalen Stanford earlier from Jinx as one being the last one out. Are there maybe a couple of others that almost made the the finalist list, but not so? He was really the toughest one to lead to leave off among the finalists. Um, so I will say there was a credible group of running backs this year, and there were like seven or eight of them easily could have been a first team running back. Of course, only had three. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was tough to leave. And, you know, I say that for all state too. I'm just like, Eric Virgil could have been an all world finalist on offense. And now he's not even first team. Great career. Rushed for 2000 yards again this year. Uh, just, um, yeah, it was tough to leave him off. And then it's also tough to leave off first team, someone like Red Martell from Bags, yeah. who was in my top 10 all-world rankings during the season for several weeks. Uh, it was just a weird year, though, for Red uh, and Bags because of injuries. I mean, they would have these explosive, just huge games, and but they only reached – and then, of course, you remember, they pulled off that huge upset over Rejoice in the first round of the playoffs, but then they lost the next week. So it was like a roller coaster year for a variety of reasons there, but still he had a great year and uh, honored one of his offensive linemen, Caden Stannon, uh, with a first team selection. But uh, Easley could have been a first team a world pick too. So we're not going to announce winners until the summer at the awards at the award show. Do you know now who your players of the year are, or or do you need more time to kind of? let things percolate and mull things over. I think I have more, I'm, I'm still percolating a little bit, but I think I've got more of an idea on offense than I do defense. Okay. Pretty sure. I'm probably like 90% sure of who's gonna, the offensive winner is going to be defense. It's, it's pretty even. I'm still debating that. Oh, all right, Barry, anything else? We, we got a couple of other non-football things we can talk about here in just a second, but uh, anything else about our world you want to you share? Uh, I think that pretty well covers it. Uh, of course, we've got uh, – um, soft. we've talked all about football, but a lot of great athletes to honor in softball, cross-country, and volleyball in that order. Yeah, and, of course, uh, like you said earlier, Ben Johnson has those teams. Those will be in the paper – uh, and online uh, early next week. So we'll look forward to, to all that. All right, so we can't get out of here, Barry, until we talk about the 4-2 to two basketball game uh, that got a lot of attention this week. Uh, Weatherford won 4-2 to two over Anadarko boys basketball. A lot of people have opinions on, on this. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's just, I guess, uh, that it was, what's really weird to me about that is that a lot of times when you see like a small score like that, it's because the team, there's one team that's really good and one team that quite isn't quite as good. These are both really good teams. Yeah, so, they're both ranked. They're both ranked. Right. Uh, so that's what was stunning about it. Um, 
just yeah i'm i wish i was for the for the shot clock being added um although i'm not really that big an advocate for it but now because of that and, and for the most part i'll say the games i cover the shot clock really hasn't come into play the other night when i was covering memorial and hail it was coming I kept on thinking, well, this is one of the rare times the Memorial had held it for almost a minute late in the game. thought, well, this is one of the rare times where a shot clock would have come into play in a game that I'd seen. But, yeah, 4-2, to two, that was – I'm not going to get on any of the coaches for their approach in that game. Like some, some people are getting on them, like how could they allow that to happen? Well, that's in the rules. I mean, if you're not going to have a shot clock, the possibility of something like that's going to happen – so uh, if that's the way you think you can win, uh, that's, I mean, that's fine. I just hate to see it though. Cause that just doesn't seem there wasn't any, not having any action, especially when you got two teams that are top 10 teams, that just doesn't seem any fun. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. It, it, they didn't break any rules. They, they, they're, that's fine. They have to coach how they think they need to win the game, but that just doesn't, just doesn't seem in the, Good spirit of competition, Barry. Uh, you feel cheated. I mean, you feel as a fan. I remember back when college basketball was going through this, like in the eighties, and uh, I think that's what finally drove me to be in favor of the shot clock for college basketball when it was adopted way back then. Is because you'd see teams. I guess I remember Virginia would have Ralph Sampson, superstar player, and they were always trying to stall the ball and keep it away from him. And I hated that, and I felt. Or I remember going to a TU game in the Nolan Richardson era when a team was trailing by eight TU by eight or ten points, a team that was obviously inferior to them in that golden era of TU basketball, and uh, they decided to hold the ball, and because uh, TU was up by ten, they just let them do it for four or five minutes, and so that's like four or five minutes of like non-action, and as a fan, you feel like you're getting cheated. I mean. I mean, what a waste. I mean, couldn't blame TU for staying back because they've got the lead and the other team is just wanting to keep the game fairly close. <laughs> so what do you do? So, yeah. uh, um, so. Now, now, you and I have talked about the shot clock a couple of times previously. I don't want to get back into all of that, but but you're, you are against it, right? You said? Well, I guess I, after that, it's like I really don't want to see any more of those type of games. And so I guess reluctantly I, – I wouldn't say I was against it. I would say I wasn't really that strong an advocate for it. In okay. maybe, but now I'm a little bit more of an advocate for it, you know, after seeing something like that. But, again, it's whether the OSSA board is an advocate for it. I mean, because every coach in the world – can want it, but it comes down to the OSSA board. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll end it there. Barry, have a good weekend. And of course, you can listen to us on Google, Apple, or Spotify for free. Uh, we appreciate you checking us out. Uh, and just as a reminder, all world football Saturday, all state football Sunday. And then Barry, help me out with the rest of the schedule for Softball uh, Monday, cross-country Tuesday, volleyball Wednesday. All right. All right. Good stuff. All right. We'll be looking forward to it. Barry, we'll talk next week. Sounds good. Thanks.